Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. It's the power hour. Hour number two here inside the locker room. And, you know, as as the beckoning of a Wednesday now bades. Wex, 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 wex. What day is it, <laughs> Right. It's Wex Wednesday. That's there what day go. it is. That's right. We got Steel City Insider, Editor-in-Chief himself, author extraordinaire as well. Uh, by the way, it is Christmas time. There's some great stocking stuffers, a.k.a. the paperback version of the Palomalo book, which you can get at Barnes & Nobles. Or you can go to JimWexel.com and get those. I think I covered it all. How are we today, Wex? <laughs> that was beautiful, Max. Uh, we're doing great for a Thursday. It is... It, it is uh, NFL time today, and it's Thursday. Like, uh, yeah. like Wolf used to be told about, it's null time five minutes early. Yep. Today's Thursday, so <laughs> Wex Thursday. There yeah. you go. Yes, Wex Thursday. On if you're looking at your NFL clocks, but don't worry, we're not getting closer to Christmas. It's just an NFL <laughs> thing. Don't worry about it. Speaking <laughs> of, have a bunch speaking of, of days left. <laughs> I got to ask you, Wex, because that book, the Palomala book, was so beautifully written. What was it that, I, let me let me put it this way, what surprised you in your research about Troy that you went in, you, you're like, I, I didn't know this when I started off. I mean, I'm sure there was a number of things, um, circumstances, stories, and so forth, but again, I, the book was so captivating. I, I really enjoyed it, and... I, there's got to be something that stands out as like you you went to this and going wow that really surprised me anything like that you know you know it, it it I put it together through so many years and from following his career and writing profiles and magazine pieces that I you know I pretty well knew him right. um, a couple things a couple things that stood out how much he ate how much he ordered. <laughs> Okay, I didn't see that one coming. I did not um, see that one coming. Well, careful, I, I careful, Wex. Put... This could go down a uh, this could go down a long rabbit hole here with food and wolf. And, you know. I'm a little over caffeinated. Well, yeah, uh, and, and you know, he would over order. All his teammates said that he was famous for that. Uh, the week before the Super Bowl, um, I believe. I can't remember which Super Bowl, but he apparently gained all kind of weight. Um, <laughs> he went to his favorite Jamaican place. Oh and, man! Uh, but but he would and and he would bring it back. He brought it back to the hotel rooms, knocking on people's doors. Would you like some food? <laughs> and and but that's what he would do. Also, I mean, he did this his last game after losing to the Ravens and he was beat up and he was limping and mm. he went with his uncle to a restaurant and over ordered 
And on the way home, he kept telling his uncle, stop here. And he'd get out and give homeless people some food and people on the street. He would, you know, limp up to them. This is Troy Polamalu after a a bad loss, Mm. the the last game of his career, things like that. So we knew all about his, you know, his kindness. Right, right. And his compassion and his giving. We knew all that. But some of his stories really, really – we're still special to hear and to, to relay. Absolutely. Um, I didn't know he was that good of a baseball player. Hmm. I didn't know that he wasn't that good of a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was your classic two guard that couldn't shoot, but you know, he, he'd defend you. He'd go up and swat away a six, seven guy in the playoffs and, and then lead the break. Right. He right. just wasn't much of a shooter. He just wasn't much of a shooter. <laughs> And, and and that kind of fits the athlete that we saw, right? Right. Um, he probably would have been a great wrestler, but uh, you know he chose the uh, the main sports. Um, anything else? I mean, that's good stuff, though. Good. That really okay. That you know okay. the thing about it is, and remember, folks, that that paperback can fit well in a stocking stuffer. <laughs> it's a great read. So exactly. anyhow, you, you know, I went to a couple of Barnes and Nobles. One at uh, the Waterworks mm-hmm. and one in Greensburg and signed all the copies. So, mm. I mean, you can get a signed copy. Oh, yeah. them. Beautiful. Beautiful. Even yeah. better. I love it. I love it. Well, since it is a Thursday um, in the NFL world, uh, is this Coordinator's Day? It is. is. And so it is the big question day. is inside or outside? And, and we've been told to prepare for outside. That's at 1145. So that would okay. mean they're going to practice practice outside, which is a bit of a change in the last two weeks. They've been going inside a lot, and hey, maybe it'll change the luck. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, l- yeah. L- listen, w- w- when you are down and on a two-game skid, no better way than to change the environment, shake it up. Maybe you maybe you incense the nervous system a little bit, uh, especially with the weather there. Um, not a fan. You know, there, uh, <laughs> there should be. There should be a better word than skid to describe losing to two two and ten teams. But okay. uh, I think we, you, will, uh, we will we will stick with skid. Can, can I can I say this because I, I I read some of your writing this morning and I gotta say I think you put it nice when you said the Kansas City Chiefs, whom yes yes are having their own struggles, but the Steelers' identity this season has been one that cures struggles. <laughs> it's like ouch, that, that pretty much nailed oh, it there for man. this two, you know two game streak. Uh, well, thanks for the kudos there, but that was my man Jeremy Ritz who wrote that. So oh, I'm sorry. Credit. I thought that was you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but, I'm more. You know, you know, I'm I'm combative right now at this point with all the hatred spewing out against Tomlin. I'm more of the the guy's got a winning record during a rebuilding year, and I'm not winning many fans over with that line. Right. So it was good. It was good for Jeremy to come through with something. Uh, uh, more along the public outcry this morning at Steel City Insider. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's not easy work. And like you said, you know, to still have a winning record in a rebuild. And I've kind of I've kind of been echoing this this entire week, Wex. You know, everybody thinks, you know, a rebuild is 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 something that's an easy process, I think, in Pittsburgh. But you know, as I look around the league and you think about how spoiled 
we've been for two decades, essentially. Um, you know, it doesn't happen. Any, I said, I said the only other place that has had less turnover has been the New England Patriots in that time. Everybody else has had to hire at least one other coach since then. And um, apparently the and, Patriots are going to fire Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. T- talk so, about a dumb, dumb, dumb move. I mean, yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah, when you whatever. think about what he's done. But once again, hey, listen, everybody gets a little hasty. Everybody gets a little hasty and wants to turn up the Bunsen burner. Um, but, you know, I look at even – look at the Chargers, right? The Chargers had everything. They were supposed to be this the next hot team. Look at the Buffalo Bills. Supposed to be this hot team. I mean, we have so many countless examples um, of, you know, wanting to go with the hot new thing or wanting to just turn over for turnover's sake, but you don't realize what you could be when you do that. You could be the Carolina Panthers. If you want to draft so high so bad and get a new coach in here, you could be the Panthers right now. And how happy would you be as a fan base if that was happening, right? You'd be trying to blow it back up again in less than a year. And I think that's where, you know, people don't understand the experience part of this and the relationship business that is the NFL um, and what it takes to lead men. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are all men. They are all men with their own minds, their own thoughts, their own issues. And when you can get them to rally together for a common cause for a couple hours a day and get them focalized for a couple of months a year, that's that's a lot of work. That's a lot of sleepless nights. And I don't think people kind of realize that. I think, you know, it's been something we've kind of had this expectation that we're in the conversation year in and year out. But at the end of the day, only one team wins every year. And as we're seeing now, that shakeup is, is happening. I mean, because you look at where, 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 are, where are the Kansas City Chiefs right now as a team? You know, they're, they're struggling. They, they've had some bad losses as well. I mean, you look at where the Philadelphia Eagles are, the golden children of a year ago. I mean, every team goes through their, their issues, and I think we're not unique in that, but the fact that we kind of settle somewhere in the middle is a lot better than falling flat on our face. And I think people kind of kind of lose sight of that at times. Well, you know, I used to have a boss, Vic Ketchman. Wolf, you remember Vic. Yeah, I do. Uh, my boss covered the 80s. He covered Wolf Lee. He cover, <laughs> also covered the 70s. Uh, he came out of Kent State with Jack Lambert. And uh, Vic used to come back to the office during the 80s and say, oh, either lose a lot or win a lot. This 8-8 eight and eight stuff is awful to cover. <laughs> and so that kind of counteracts what you're saying, Max. But from a media perspective, I think you get more interest when you're 4-12 and 12 or 4-13 and 13 because you're going to have high draft picks. There's going to be turnover. There's going to be major change. Right now, it, 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 listen to us talk about well, how good of a job Tomlin's doing when no one in the town wants to hear that. And, hey, hey don't get me wrong. These last two games were horrendous. Uh, I thought he did a poor job. I'll criticize him for the last two games, but I'm not going to fire him. No. no I think no. that's absolutely ridiculous, even the even talking about it. The fact of the matter is, look, you've got issues. You've got to work through these issues. But where do you think – what do you th- let, let me just ask you something. If we projected to next year, and it, let's say Kenny doesn't play any more games this year, where does that put the Steelers? Because frankly, I'm still I'm 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 still in Kenny's corner. Ain't no doubt about it in my mind. I believe that this young man is the guy. But still, at the same time, people are asking, you know, what 
what's it going to look like next year? Just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Oh, I absolutely have thoughts. I think they have to look for a quarterback. Mm. I think Kenny, it, it, like just like you said, I like a lot of things Kenny does. That clutch gene, that's not going to leave me easily. Right. I'm not going to give up on him easily because of that. That's that's a primary asset in a quarterback. Um, he 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 hasn't won me over totally though, and that means. If I have a quarterback available, second-round guy, first-round guy, if there's value, wherever there's good enough value, that room has to be added to. And if you do bring in a new offensive coordinator, bring him into the draft process. Get him to, to, to find a guy for him to develop as the number three next year. And Kenny gets, of course, the first half season. Who knows what happens after that? And, hey, maybe Kenny responds and really turns it on next year. So now you have two quality guys, and you're going to need that anyway. Because, frankly, I'm not seeing it from the backups right now. They have to show more if they want to get that big buck as a veteran backup. So they don't even have that yet. So I think they have to add to the quarterback room. Yeah, no. And I'm sorry for using the word room. I I hate that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I think it's made sense to me. I know, but everybody's using it right now, and you know, oh. it's just, it's, it's just, we're not in the room. I'm not in the room on the field. They need to add a, a backup quarterback to their unit. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Exactly to the offense. To the offense. That? To the offense. <laughs> there you Toast. go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, but you know, and I think you know that's an important thing. I mean, you know, one of the areas I think also that needs improvement is also going to be looked at, I imagine, is going to be the offensive line, getting an upgrade there and trying to make sure you have some good depth um, to provide moving forward. I know we went in the right direction, you know, drafting Broderick, bringing over, you know, Isaac and uh, offseason. But I think, you know, you have to continue to turn that group over and, and get some guys in there um, as well. But, you know, Wex, as we, as we prepare for this game, I mean, one of the things, you know, the, the high possibility that you don't have – 56 or 90 on the defensive edges. Um, mm. You know, where's your concern level with that? I mean, you know, uh, we talked about some other options as far as DeMarvin Leal and Marcus Golden who were inactive last week to to allow for more inside backers to be available. But now, you know, that kind of puts stress on the outside linebacking position. Uh, and, and and it's funny, when you said inside or outside, I thought you were talking about the linebackers at first. <laughs> Who's going to be the priority <laughs> this week? <laughs> In the topic of conversation, uh, not knowing the weather conditions for practice. Um, so, I mean, but where where are we at? And, and you know, what are some of the, what are some of the things you're looking for from Terrell Austin to kind of kind of answer answer those questions? I, uh, you know, those those answers will come in practice. I believe TJ uh, looked good yesterday, and so uh, am I allowed to say that? Anyway, TJ uh, survived the practice yesterday, whatever he was listed as, limited, whatever. But, uh, I, you know, he'll be tested today to see how that affected his concussion. And I expect him to pass it. And Alex Highsmith was working, sprinting on the side. And um, so we'll see if he practices today. But I expect both of them to play. Uh, Nick Herbig got the mob treatment in the locker room this morning because he may have to start, but, and then somebody was telling me that Marcus Golden would start because Nick was only active last week because of of special teams Mm. that Marcus plays the run better. Uh, 
okay, uh, that's what that guy said, and uh, okay. So uh, I expect Marcus to, to at least be active this week. I did ask Nick Herbig if he was tired because he played, what, 80 snaps counting special teams? Did he? Wow. And he, he, he said no. I said, you know, James Harrison used to do what you just did uh, uh, when he was younger and just breaking into the starting lineup. He goes, well, he's a Hall of Famer. I would expect nothing else. And I said, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but he used to admit that he was tired, and you didn't. He goes, well, well. <laughs> I missed that last oh. what he said at the end. He, he, Nick wouldn't admit to being tired oh, he wouldn't when, admit. when Harrison – Harrison used to look at us like, what do you think? You know? <laughs> hey, there is nothing more tiring than being a special teamer and starting. You know, even when – As I, a pass rusher. Oh, yeah. But I remember yeah. I remember way back in my, my rookie season, in the last preseason game, when I played three quarters of, of, of offense and I was on all four special teams. Let me tell you something. Down in Dallas at – Nine o'clock at night kickoff with ninety plus degrees at night. I was very tired, and I wasn't afraid to admit <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, no, no doubt about no. it. But, yeah. but you know, s- sincerely, you think about it. Defensively speaking, now we've got Keanu Benton has been elevated to a starter status, which I think is important. Wax. A lot of people say, well, you know, he's been, you know, basically kind of a a slash starter, but to be named the guy. When you're a young buck, you walk a little taller, as I said before, and you play a little more confidently. I think it's a good move by the Steelers and Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin to name Keanu Benton the starter. Exactly. It's just another indication of how really, really good this past draft class was. And that's another thing I think people should understand. is While there may be talent deficiencies on the field now, um, the personnel department has been overhauled big time. Mm-hmm. And their first draft was, was a bonanza, it looks like. So give them, give them a chance. Let's see if they can do it again. And, um, and, and bring in some free agents and continue with the plan of, I like their plan last year of drafting at the expensive positions like corner and tackle and uh, bringing in, the free agents at the less expensive positions inside linebacker and interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Wolf. Yeah. But it's fact of life. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that made sense. So um, some of these positions that I think they need, like quarterback, cornerback, maybe a tackle, um, and, um, hey, wide receiver. I got to see more. I got to see more effort out of these mm-hmm. wide receivers. To, to not put them on the needs list. So, uh, and uh, I think center is another piece, an inside linebacker. So <laughs> there are some deficiencies, but um, I, I like that the personnel department in their first year seems to have done a great job. No, and, and, and like you said, I mean, it, it's a process. I think <laughs> people kind of forget that. They think it's just instantly. This isn't college where you have the transfer portal and NIL. You know, where you can just take whoever you want. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's 85 slots to fill. No, 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 no. There's a finite amount of slots here. And you also are dealing with, you know, like getting getting the right pieces that work within your organization as well. Because it's never just a rental type of deal. You're trying to go for long-term and longevity and create the best possible 
you know, environment and culture to, to propel you forward over time. And I think for people that, that think it's a, just going to be a moonshot is tough. That's a big word, culture. <laughs> uh, I like so, somebody on the Internet uh, tweeted that uh, Mike Tomlin didn't win so much with Bill Cowher's players, but with Bill Cowher's culture. And I remember Tom Donahoe and, and uh, you know, those guys. Uh, who was the big scout? Modrak. You know, mm-hmm. character was huge for those guys. Yeah. And we, we know that someone asked me about dissension the other day. You ever see this kind of dissension? I said, well, I was interviewing Richard Huntley one time when a fist came over my shoulder and popped him in the mouth and the, a brouhaha started in the locker room in 2000. That's a little bit of dissension right there. And, right. and that was a, 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 a bad group, 2099-98, a fading group, a group that, that had talent deficiencies, but also a group that had young guys like Aaron Smith, Joey Porter, Heinz Ward, Alan Fanica, looking around from quietly from their seats in the locker room watching this brouhaha. And the next year they were in the AFC Championship game, and they focused on culture. And look what happened. Two Super Bowls later, uh, the culture paid off. And I think that's what they may need to get back to here. More emphasis on the culture. Very yeah. interesting, well, brother. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect and, and, and that, that one either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, look at that. <laughs> Learn something new today. And of course, now I got to go mull it over. Sorry. I didn't mean to, to step on you there, Max. I'm just going, that's one of those yeah. things now that I got I to gotta chew on overnight. Huh. There we go. <laughs> while, while, while you're chewing on some paleo beef stew or something. I know. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Do not go for the burrito at the bottom of the hill. Um, <laughs> but, Wex, no, we, we appreciate the time. As always, I know, um, you know, it, it, coming on a Thursday, on an NFL Thursday, but a uh, regular work week Wednesday, we appreciate the time, Wex, as always. And remember, it's the holiday season. Go to jimwexel.com. Go to Barnes & Nobles. You can find a lot of his reads, uh, especially the Palomalu book. And, of course, Steel City Insider for all of your insiding, uh, your insider needs. I said insiding. That was weird. Uh, I like Your insider that. needs for all, the Steelers, yeah. <laughs> all of your yeah. insiding needs, yes. Yeah, exactly. All your insiding <laughs> needs. Why not? Why not? Uh, you know, why focus on the outside like where, this, where, where, the, where the coordinator's uh, meeting is going to happen? Go on the insiding. Uh, but no, thanks, Wex. We appreciate you joining us every Wednesday here inside the locker room. We're going to step aside and we'll be back with more here on ESPN and SNR Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Max, one of the things that's interesting to me is always when you have voices of reason, people that speak, you know, truth in the lives of others, ways that you can, um, you know, impact younger players' lives. You referenced it earlier when you talked about inviting young guys in and being part of your circle to kind of, uh, you know, make life a little easier in the locker room and also to pay it forward like it was paid to you as it was paid to me by veteran players who, you know, kind of speak a little life into you. Now, one of the interesting things is, you know, and you got to hear me out on this, 
because uh, you've got a voice from the past reaching out. You know, when Mike, uh, George Pickens has had some, he's had some kerfluffles, all right? Yeah, but the fact is you've got Ant- Antonio Brown is uh, kind of speaking out. And he's had this to say, and I found it kind of interesting. It starts in practice. You can't come to the game and just be emotional about the ball. It starts in the meeting room, going and talking to Coach Tomlin. And this is what uh, Antonio Brown said back in uh, December 11th, a couple days ago. Um, And it was interesting to me that, you know, uh, even though he's had some ups and downs in his own career, uh, shall we say, um, it's interesting that he speaks out and talks about not getting emotional about wanting the ball. And he was a guy that actually experienced it. Of course, you were a teammate of his. And it was, um, you know, one of those times where you like go, hmm, kind of makes you think, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I read that as well, and, and I think it, it is to be noted. I mean, you know, for whatever we want to say about Antonio um, in the latter years and everything else and, and how things soured and the bridges he burned, um, Antonio was one of the hardest working guys on Absolutely. The His work ethic is, is honestly unmatched. I've never seen someone work as hard as Antonio Brown when he's right. on the field. Um, and when you talk about creating those opportunities, I think I think it's very sound advice. You know, I think he's he's been removed from the game long enough that you can then look back introspectively and you can have an honest conversation about it. And I don't think it's one of those things where you kind of take it lightly. I think what he makes some very salient points, and you know, is is talking about you know, talking to the coaches, talking to right. your teammates, talking to your OC, right? And going and developing a plan, you know, when you're a guy that, 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 that wants the ball. And it's going out there and making sure you're put in positions where you can shine even when you know you're not going to get the ball, right? Um, those, are, those are some very poignant points, right? Because I also know that I watched Joe, George deliver some devastating blocks as well out there. Right. Right. When, when he when he when he is, you know, when he's in his zone and he's in his bag, so to speak, you know, he 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 he's a guy that he cares a whole lot. And I think sometimes that gets misconstrued because you don't have that emotional outlet in a live situation environment. And until you create those habits and that routine or that ritual, it manifests itself in different ways. And I think that's one of the things that he's speaking to is as a guy who's gone through it, you know, this is the way you deal with it. You also have to remember, Coach Thomas is a former wide receiver. Right. You know, I think a lot of people kind of forget that. And they think, oh, because he was a defensive coordinator, he went to defensive backs. He had to make that shift when he was trying to, you know, trying to get jobs and trying to progress within this league to have a holistic point of view. And honestly, some of the best coaches are the ones that played opposite the position that they're coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, what makes a great DB coach in a lot of instances being a former wide receiver, you know the tells, you know you know the habits, you know what the issues are. And so, you know, for him, you forget this dude was a receiver, a leader, a captain in college. Um, and he wasn't good enough to make it to the league. But he, what he did, and, you know, and of course I'm now drawing from the book even more so, and why it gives me a greater appreciation and understanding, uh, he understands what, what 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 that wide receiver room entails and, and the egos that are involved. And also he knows that there's a certain necessity of that ego that you must possess as a wide receiver to be great. And, you know, one of the things you'll never say is that Steelers have, have never drafted 
bad wide receivers as far as the player themselves. Now, personality-wise, we can talk about, you know, some of the issues that, that manifest itself later. Mm-hmm. But as far as the skill set and identifying skill and value for the skill, uh, you know, I would say Coach Tom is one of the best identifiers of those qualities because he was a former wide receiver. And that's why we've had so many good wide receivers come through the Steelers over the years. Um, and so, you know, it, it's finding those different triggers, those different things. And I talked about it earlier. You know, what type of relationship does the player need from the coach? And Coach Allen being able to adapt to that relationship. And it's based on an individual basis. It's not a group basis. It's not a team basis. It's an individualized approach. And so, you know, as you develop that through the course of a season, yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road. But I think also that's one of the things you try and make sure that you're staving those things. So I thought A.B. was was very, very good in, in his assessment and what and the plan that he laid out. Yeah, I mean, he literally said, you got to play smarter. You got to be willing to learn different positions, and you got to be quarterback friendly. And he says, I would advise GP to go talk to Pickett, go to talk to Tomlin. And, and of course, that would include, you know, Mitch Trubisky, uh, based on the fact that Mitch is going to be star this week. But go talk to the offensive coordinator. And, you know, he says it all starts with leadership, communication, and being on the same page with the people around you. You're only as good as the people around you. You know, you can sit here and you could pick apart what Antonio says in reference to what he does, but the fact of the matter was he backed up all his time here with great play through great effort, and there, nobody can dispute that. It's like you said, from the first guy, um, you know, the very first guy to, I mean, from the first rep uh, to the last rep, I mean, that guy worked harder than anybody I've ever seen in practice. Really, I mean, uh, other than ma- say Mike Webster is the only other guy I can think of right now that comes to mind like that. But the fact is, when you see, <clears throat> you know, his capability and performances, and regardless of how it ended up, because that that right now is not befitting what we're talking about and the words that come from him. I think they're smart words that I think offered to George Pickens now would would be very productive if he would follow it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, listen, Antonio, for every, you know, one thing good he says, he has like eight or nine off-the-wall things. I mean, let, let's right. just be let's just be completely honest about it. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't pull and extract some great information in the midst of that. Because I think there is something to be said. You know, when it is stream of consciousness, yeah, you kind of have to read through it. But I think when it does come to some of the poignant points, he's very – He's very good at, at, at communicating that at mm-hmm. times. And, yeah, there's other times where it's like, okay, you know, you're talking about retiring as a Steeler. I mean, I'm like, okay, and next one. Okay, move on. But I thought that this was, this was, this was really excellent by him, and, and I yeah. have to give him credit for that. Because, I mean, you have to realize, A.B., I think we get recency bias kind of, kind of skews the judgment of him. But – for a six-year span, he was the most dominant wide receiver in the NFL. Easy, yep. Easily, he put he put Calvin Johnson, uh, Julio Jones. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was in that same time span. I mean, name your best receiver, and he was better than them. He was yep. your favorite receiver's favorite receiver. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think I think people kind of lose sight of that because they think of the antics and they think about just how it all just melted down. They think about him running, taking his shoulder pads off and going shirtless as he left the jet stadium. I think we kind of forget that, but he, the dude won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, the guy got himself on straight enough to get through that. And then of course, after that, it fell apart. But 
you know, he had some of Hall of Fame worthy years oh, that man, yes. when you look back and just look purely at the numbers, they're eye popping. Mm. And especially when you consider what the competition was in that era and he stands head and shoulders above the rest of them. Um, it, it, it goes unmatched. And I think that's something we kind of lose that because of the personal side of it and because of the era of social media and instant access and stream right. of consciousness that comes through on social media at times, you kind of sullies the image. But everybody's got issues. I mean, listen, could you imagine if Michael Irvin had oh. had social media back in the day? No, no. That, we that wouldn't see him thing. in the same list, right? It would, it would, that'd yeah. be good. That'd be good for imagine, anybody involved. Imagine if T.O. had a uh, Twitter yeah, account, no, an Instagram account, when he, oh, when he was gosh. doing sit-ups in his, push, in his uh, parking lot during wow, Eagles yeah, practice. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. so I mean, so, so that's what I go to say is that we have to also – Think from this perspective, think of the player, not the person. Yeah. Um, and, and and the teammate like quality of his advice. Um, yeah, I know people want to say check the source and everything else, but that source also had a really good relationship for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it paid off on the field. So it's very salient to take some of that advice. Absolutely, because it may save another guy's career in the long yeah. run. You don't know. You know, I mean when you speak truth, because I'll say that. I think I think you know that AB was speaking absolute truth there, and and it, you know though he may have gone another way. Hey, now in in reflection too, it's like Lev Bell. Lev Bell sitting back going, you know, I was wrong. You know, what I mean, you reflect, you come back yeah. to, and you look at, it and you go, wow, I shouldn't have done that. But regardless, hey, all right, we'll be back. We got the Bell Lap coming up with Max. All right, don't don't go nowhere. Stay tuned right here in the locker room. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Guess what? It is the bell lap time. That's right. Final segment inside the locker room today and you know, Wolf, as, as I ponder upon the show, it's, it, it's been a good one. You know, we talked about Keanu Benton uh, com, coming in and uh, assuming a starting role after yes. having starter-worthy starter snaps throughout the season thus far, and the young man's earned the moniker of starter. Yes. And, you know, we kind of talked about the mindset of Mike Tomlin, um, you know, going into these tough situations and the playoffs really starting this week. This being the first playoff week for the Steelers uh, in a in a in a absolutely log jammed jam packed AFC wild card picture um, that is not without reach. I mean, you look at the road the Ravens have ahead of them. You look at where Cleveland is. I mean, we still got some staunch competition here, and of course, where Cincinnati's starting to come out of the ashes, right? Right. The- they're also in that position, and, we, and we've got some tough games ahead with some playoff contending teams, um, not only this week, but, you know, moving beyond. Um, our last four games, everybody's in playoff contention. So this is, this is really the starting gauntlet of the playoffs for this team, and it's nothing that's unfamiliar in Steelers history because I went through that in 2005, 
and I understand what that what that looks like. And you know, it's just it's just it's do or die. That's it. It is. You know, it, it is. And I think gauntlet is the perfect term used to describe it because it's that's what it's going to be. And if you teeter on any of them, <laughs> you go down. It could be the you know end end of a a season. So it, yeah. to me, it, it this is this is really I, this is what you live for though. These great opportunities. Look, not everybody has you know the the nice polished road to the Super Bowl. You know you got to fight hand over fist to be able to accomplish uh, even a seven and six record. If people don't understand what it's like to go through a season and be beat up and everything else, and you're pulling out all the all the things that you can do to win a game, and now you're faced with a one month, four games of maybe the hardest part of the season, based on you know where you are with the records and the teammates that you're now going into battle with there or going into play a game with, I should say. Um, the point is this, this is exciting to me. I mean, cause this, you, you find out a lot about yourself and you find out a lot about those who surround you in the lineup when you go into something where the odds are against you and can you prevail against the odds? Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and, and it's something that, you know, should not be taken lightly, should not be taken for granted. Can't be. No. But you also realize you control your own destiny. That's right. the other beauty about it, right? Yes. Yep. Like most of these situations, when you get into these moments, you don't really control your destiny. You need things to happen. You need a, you know, a loss here, another team to win there, and then three other dominoes to fall. But all you have to do is win and you're in. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, the execution of that is what's going to be hard. The desperation that you have to feel inside, the urge to want to win more than anything else, that's to a man. That's different. But the path is clear. You win and you're in. And then you can control your own destiny from there. But you win and you're in. How did that's you, what has to be their mindset. How did you... What What were the thoughts when you guys were doing it in 05? I mean, you know, that, to me, that that's really the that's the standard set for a situation just like this. You you guys were seven and five coming off a loss, and it was a loss to Cincinnati. You know, I mean, and and how did you convince? How were you convincing each other that you could do it? It, it was it was it was honestly, Wolf. It was we have no other choice. Yeah. Right. When you Good feel point. that ultimate desperation, yeah. like. We got to get here. Like, like, no, we, we, there's too many people counting on us. And you, when we look in that locker room, you have to be able to look every man in the eye at the end of the day. True. And know that you gave it your all, right? My 111th was, was achieved, right? And, and when you look to a man, and I think that type of mindset, that type of, you know, just feeling or yearning, so to speak, has to reside in all of them. And, and, it, and it truly becomes one band, one sound, right? Mm -hmm. One team, one heartbeat. And one team, one goal. And we also knew we wanted to do it for Bussy, right? Bussy sacrificed so right. much for us and had been a leader for so long. Let's take Bussy home, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, and everything was just, it was how can we do this for him? And that was an additional because we also had our own personal goals like we all wanted to go to a super bowl we hate we missed it a year before right and we we were like man i don't want that feeling to happen again 
So if you're one of these younger guys on the team, the season ends after Baltimore. You don't get in the playoffs thinking that you're going to because you needed somebody else to help you. Let that be your resounding choice and pull them rookies along with you, right? Because you know what that feeling is to be left out, to be excluded from something that you feel like you should have done. Well, the business didn't happen in the first half. It happened in the second half of the season, but it wasn't enough. You came up short. Don't come up short again should be the mindset for guys who've been here, you know, on their second plus years. If you're George Pickens, you can talk to Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington about how it felt last year not to be in the playoffs, right? Especially when you come from a place like Georgia that knows nothing but success. And now look at them. They're on the outside looking in. 29-game win streak. Lost one game out of the playoff. Mm. So it's something that you can use and draw on your experience and yeah, there might be guys who don't know that that sting, but that doesn't matter. Like Heath Miller didn't know what we felt a year ago. Trey Essex didn't know what we felt a year ago. Mm. But guess what? They got a sense of the room and they realized how it was. Brian McFadden didn't know, you know, yeah. but but they knew they want they didn't want to let us down. Yeah. And I think that's what has to be pumping through your veins if you're a Cam Hayward and a TJ Watt and you're a young guy looking at those guys. It's like, Think about all that he's done for me, and I need to pay it forward to him. Give him this opportunity. I like that. I like yeah. that. You need a rallying cry, rallying point. Well, there it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Look no further. Like you said, <laughs> the answers are within those four walls, Wolf. Amen to that, brother. You better believe it. Yep. And the answer to our question is, yes, it is lunchtime because this is the end of the show. <laughs> You know, Wes is in here. He's killing me. He brought soup, right? And so he's eating it yeah. right in front of me. And I'm like, I can smell it. because well, he's there for another two hours, you know? I Thank mean, you, Max. Thank you. Now, well, granted, should, should he have heated it up after you left? Absolutely. Yes. But the fact that he is at least trying to well, sustain no, I gotta, himself. Well, no, I got to really start talking here in four minutes, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, see, you, see, you said Moats is driving. Can, you think I could do it's all Moats my Wednesday. Scottish and Irish impersonations while I'm eating soup, <laughs> while I'm co-hosting a show? You should be able to, because if they can do it with shepherd's pie, you can do it with the soup. Oh, I love a good shepherd's pie. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, a little haggis, a little haggis you, and scotch. Let me tell you, nobody makes shepherd's pie like my buddy John Bell. He's a strength coach for the uh, hey, St. Vincent from College. Scotland. No, his wife is yeah. from Scotland. Uh, close enough, And then. she makes one wonderful, wonderful, and I, I, I tell you, wonderful shepherd's pie. Get Zooks, man. Does I just, she get I it from the part. Shire? <laughs> Is it, is it, She's right out of the Shire, man. Does she play the bagpipes? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not jump the shark. And you can't say one. does she wear a kilt because only real men wear kilts. All right. <laughs> I, hey, I wore one you in a wedding one shark. time. I had to wear a kilt for a wedding. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Let me tell you, was it freeing? Was oh, it freeing? It was, was it, it was liberating? Breezy. Wolf? A little breezy. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Sometimes you <laughs> sometimes you gotta let the tailpipes breathe. You never cover up tailpipes. You know what I'm saying? So. Okay, it we happens. better roll before this. Gets All right, out of hand. and on that note, before yeah, as if it, as if it already got out of hand by me and Wes doing <laughs> Scottish impersonations for the last two minutes. Uh, yes, before it goes even further down the rabbit hole, we're <laughs> we're gonna step aside. Remember to tune in, say black and gold channel, say black and gold time. We'll be back tomorrow with more inside the locker room. He's Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. Wesley, I don't even know it's what to William say. Man Wallace. of many times. Uh, all right, Wesley, you uh, of Euler. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, you know, the ones and twos, Brian LaMartina, the, the, uh, the sensei of them all. And then, of course, our junior ninja in training. Can't forget CJ. Got to give him some love. He's, he's back there doing the back-end work that keeps us viable and on the airwaves. So we appreciate it, everybody. Go make it a great day. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 